Happy Sabbath. Just a couple of announcements before we start. Um, first of all, if you want to be engaged or, or, or connected with our church, the best way to do it is for you to go onto our website and sign up your email address, okay? Some of you are like, what's email? Um, every week, we send out our newsletter, and if you sign up from our website or Facebook page, you will be able to get our newsletter every week. So that's the best way to um, get engaged or connected with our church. Second thing uh, is, actually, uh, today's dinner is for campus ministry dinner. Just wanted to clarify that. So uh, it's a welcome dinner for Pastor Junie, but it's for, it's a campus ministry dinner. So if you're planning on it and come, and if you're not a student, um, bring a sandwich or something. I don't, I don't know. Next weekend, we will have a worship on Friday and Sabbath. We have a revival weekend. The speaker is Dr. Greg King. He was in religion department when I was at PUC. Now he's the head of religion department at Southern University. He will be the speaker for the weekend. So please bring your friends, family, whatever. Uh, there will be a Friday night worship and also Sabbath worship. Before we pray, I want to share with you a very special picture. Um, Pastor Junie said last weekend that Loma uh, Linda Church people are not laughing anymore because maybe Pastor Richard is not funny. Please look at this picture and do you notice anything? Yes, I'm on YouTube. Under category of Pastor Richard's sermon, apparently my category is comedy. All right? Pastor Juni, did you see that? I'm a very, apparently I'm a very famous, um, not very famous, uh, YouTuber, com- comedian, pastor. Uh, did you guys notice that there are 246 views, but there's no thumb up? <laughs> Zero? Yes, go on YouTube sometime. Please, I was really hurt by that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church and everyone here. Lord, now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. Loma Linda Church, what did you do last Thursday? If you have to think about it, that means you missed it, right? Last Thursday was what? Valentine's Day. You should have done something with your loved ones, your, your wife, your husband, or your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Uh, some of you, probably that day you were aware that you were single. <laughs> so most of us, this week, we thought about love, right? We thought about love. Do you believe in the one true love? Do you? The one who's going to make your life complete? 
If you find that person, everything's going to be all right. If you marry that person, everything's going to be okay. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26, verses 15 through 25. We're going to go through the whole whole 25, 26, uh, 10 verses. I'm sorry. My math is bad today. Uh, Let me just give you a brief context before we get into the passage, right? Uh, Jacob deceives his father Isaac and steals the blessing of the firstborn, okay? Uh, He puts some animal fur uh, over himself and acts like his brother. He uses his low voice, hey, dad, I'm Esau. And every time I think about this story, I'm like, dude, how hairy do you have to be? You have to put on an animal fur to trick your dad. It's, that's gross. Anyway, um, uh, so he goes there, and, and, and the father, in his darkness, blesses Jacob instead of Esau. And Esau now, he vows to kill him, and Jacob had to run away from his home. So Jacob runs away to his uncle Laban, and he's now staying with his uncle, and and he kind of helps around in the house, in the ranch. Let's start with verse 15. After Jacob had stayed with him for for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. You see, this was a trick question. This uncle, Uncle Laban, was not looking to be generous with Jacob. He knew he had to compensate his nephew somehow, uh, and and he knew the going rate for the, the labor, for the daily wage or monthly wage. Uncle Laban is very materialistic and his cunning. You know how I know? You know how I know? Because there's a story of Uncle Laban before this happened. Long ago. Or five chapters ago in Genesis. What happens is uh, many years back, um, Abraham sends his, uh, his trusted servant and he says, go out there and, and find my, my son, a wife. So the servant goes out there and he travels uh, far away and uh, he goes to this town. And before he goes to town, he's like praying, God, my, my, my master Abraham, he's a kind man. He's a good man. So today, please show him, me, show him kindness by finding a great wife for my master Isaac. And he said, here's a spring, here's, here's a well, and um, I'm sure all the wonderful daughters of the whole town, they come and draw water from this well. When I ask for water, if there is a woman, there's a young lady who comes and says, oh, I'll give you water and I'll also water your camels. Lord, if, that, if a woman does that, then I will know that you are showing kindness to my master. But what happens is before even he finished the, 
the prayer, there's a young lady who comes, and she actually says, would you like water? And she waters the camels. So the servant was like, this is it. Here is the one true love for Isaac. So what he does is really interesting. Do not freak out, okay? It's in the Bible. I did not make this up. What, 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 what happens now is he takes all this gold and all kinds of stuff out, and the Bible says he gave the nose ring and the bracelet all over, and she goes home. It's a cultural thing, okay? So she goes home, and guess what? Rebecca's brother, Laban, he's the first person who notices her, and he goes, hey, where'd you get that? Where'd you get all the gold? Right? And then when he finds out that the gold was from the servant, this brother goes, oh, come into my house. And he calls him the blessed one from God. So I know a little about Uncle Laban, all right? That is Uncle Laban, and that Uncle Laban asked what he should pay Jacob. Verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters, just like me, two daughters, The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. It's so weird that Bible actually talks about this. Because Bible is all about inner beauty. But for some reason, Bible talks about physical attraction of this young woman. And there's a reason for that. And it's interesting. It says, Leah had weak eyes. Does that mean she had a poor vision and she needed, she needed glasses? Look at the context. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. It's referring to physical attraction. So the Bible is pretty much saying, Rachel was hot. Okay, that's what the Bible is saying. I know, that sounds so weird for me to say that, right? But it is so weird that the Bible is saying that too. But there's a reason for it. Okay? Leah had weak eyes. Uh, you know, we know exactly what that means because we're Koreans. That means Leah didn't have any sangapur. That's why, <laughs> you know. You know how Asians think that you have to have double eyelids to look pretty? Anyway, verse 18. Jacob was in love with Rachel. Why? Because she was in lovely figure and she was beautiful. Yes, all men can see better with their eyes than they can think with their brains. Right? Jacob was no exception. This is very, very important, actually. This shows the emotional state of Jacob at the time. 
He lied to his father and stole the blessing. Then he had to run away from his home because his brother wanted to kill him. He was penniless, lonely, and empty. Jacob was empty. He felt worthless. He felt like no one, there was no one in the world who loved him. The only thing that brought him happiness was whenever he saw Rachel. Oh, that beautiful Rachel. If I can just have her, then my life will be good. Only if I can just have Rachel as my wife, then everything will be all right. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be full. Then I'll be worth something. This is evident when Jacob negotiated with Uncle Laban. Okay? Jacob said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Have you ever made emotional decisions? Have you? You go, you go to a car dealership, and um, before even anyone comes out, you already kind of like, oh, I love this car. I love the color. I like the way it smells. I want this car, right? The thing is, when you go to negotiate in the car dealership, if you're emotionally attached to the car already, no, you failed it. You can't negotiate anymore. You know that, right? That's exactly what happened to Jacob. You have to pay whatever they say or whatever the sticker says now. But here, what's really interesting is that we know from both archaeology and history that about 30 to 40 shekels was the going rate for a suitor to pay the family to get a bride. Did you hear what I said? I know it's really weird, right? But that was the common practice in the old time. You know, you would go to this bride's family and you have, to, you have to pay something to get your wife, okay? Anyway, one and a half shekels was one month wage at that time. So if you add that up, Jacob was paying an enormous amount for Rachel. But the thing is, to Jacob, so emotionally attached to Rachel, She's totally worth it. That is what I want to pay. He was so emotionally attached to Rachel and he was obsessed with Rachel. Verse 19. Laban said, Sure. Verse 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. What do you think about that? Seven years felt like a few days. You know what that feels like, don't you? I do. I've been married for 20 years. It feels like a few days. Now verse 21. But before I read verse 21, I must warn you. 
Sometimes the Bible can be rated R. If you're a minor, please cover your ears. Okay? Now look at that. As soon as I said that, all the teenagers are like, <gasps> got their attention. Verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, this is after seven years, give me my wife, my time is completed, and I want to make love to her. Literally, he said exactly what you think he said. Yes. So wrong on so many levels. Oh, is this a cultural thing for him to say something like this? No. Many scholars find that this was utterly out of customary. For centuries, Jewish rabbis, they were trying to justify what what. Jacob said here, you know, his, his boldness and his, the, the grossness of this statement. It was rude and vicious even in that time. This is not the Jacob we know, is it? What, what happened to that nice, kind Jacob who used to help around mommy at home? Right? What, what happened to sweet boys? You see what's happening here. This is how Jacob is coping with his screw-ups in life. This is how he is dealing with his messes. In life, this is how he's dealing with his loneliness, ruins, and failures. This is how Jacob is coping with emptiness of his life. We see emotionally charged up Jacob, who had only one thing in mind for seven years. He's all, I've got to have Rachel. Rachel is the the one true for me, one true love for me. Rachel is the answer. If I can have her, everything will be all right. Oh, Rachel, the, the most beautiful girl in town, if I got her, I'll be all right. Nothing is going right in my life. My, my, my life is falling apart. But if I can have Rachel, everything will be fixed. That is what Jacob is thinking. Loma Linda Church, we, we know this. You know we know this, right? If I can marry that girl, oh, that guy, you know, if I can marry him, everything will be all right. Only if I can make 20K more. Or 50K more. Only if I can have that job. Only if I can get into that program. Only if I can just pass that class or pass boards. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be okay. You know this. Life matters. I, I do understand that. And all of us want this life to be good. We get sad when things go wrong. 
we get depressed when things go bad, and yet we don't know how to deal with the perils of life. And our lives are filled with the perils of life. We can't get rid of them. We don't know what to do with them. But all of us want redemption. And we believe Rachel can fix it. Verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when the evening came, check this out. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Did you hear what I said? Laban brought who? Leah. Rachel? No. I hope there's no Rachel Leah in in today here in church, church today. And then here we go. We're going to skip 24, and we're going to go right to verse 25, my favorite verse of the passage. You ready? Here we go. Verse 25. When morning came, there was Leah. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? First of all, how do you not know? You know what I mean? How how do you not know, Jake? I bet the evening wasn't about intimacy. It wasn't about connection or love. In fact, the evening was dark. It was about having Rachel. It was about possessing Rachel. When morning came, there was Leah. Underline that. Highlight that, normal in the church. When morning came, there was Leah. And that, normal in the church, is the irony of life. This is not the first time I preach from this passage, but here's what I want to talk about today. When morning came, there was Leah. This, there is a, there's this disillusionment, okay, the world brings. When morning came, there was Leah. Rachel was the one true love for me. Rachel was the answer to all my failures and screw-ups. Rachel was the one who was going to make everything okay. But when morning came, there was Leah. If you go to bed with Rachel, when morning comes, you will always end up with Leah. If you think about it, this is exactly what Jacob did to Isaac, isn't it? Isaac thought it was Esau he blessed, but it was Jacob. Jacob brought it, Jacob thought it was Rachel, but it was Leah. Jacob is a deceiver, but so is Laban. The deceiver got deceived, 
The second son pretend to be the first son, then the first daughter pretend to be the second daughter. Are you getting confused? Me too. You see, there's this theme of deception in Genesis. You can list it. It'll be a long list of deception. It starts from who? The master deceiver. Lucy. Lucifer. Or or the devil. A.K.A. Satan. You know why? Because ever since this master deceiver came, there is deception in this world. When you go to bed with Rachel, you will end up with Leah. When you wake up, you'll still be empty. We have our hopes and dreams in this world. That is our Rachel. Just when you think you get what you desire the most, just when you think you finally got what you worked for, just when you think you found the one true love, when the morning comes, I'm sorry, Lomar in the church, but there will be Leah. you'll still be left empty. Thousands of years ago, Jacob is doing what we do here in the 21st century. Some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Richard. Are you saying there's no such thing as the one true love? And you're like, You told us, you always tell us to get married. And this is what I get on Valentine's Sabbath? And some of you married couples, you're like, am I married to Leah or Rachel? (laughs) You know what? You're totally crushing my hopes and dreams. I, I, I get it. So let me clarify so that nobody goes home today confused or left in darkness, okay? Loma Linda Church, who is the one true love? Yes, Jesus. Only Jesus can make our life full. Only Jesus can bring redemption. Only Jesus can bring your true value. All your hopes and dreams must not be in Rachel, but in Jesus. When you reach out in darkness, you think it's somebody, but it isn't. Isaac reached in darkness, thinking it was Esau, but it wasn't. Jacob reached out in darkness, thinking it was somebody, but it wasn't. The world is filled with deceptions. It's filled with disappointments, failures, and struggles. We are all disillusioned. 
Don't you agree? Man, finding true love, struggle is real, right? Loma Linda Church, the one true love is not Rachel. It's always Jesus. As long as we don't have Jesus, we'll never be able to feel the sense of nothingness we all have. The redemption only comes through Jesus, not by who we marry, not by the job we get, nor how successful we become. This is why Jesus is our living water. If we go to bed with Rachel, we'll always wake up with Leah. If you're a single person, know that your value doesn't come from who you marry. Amen? Yes. Being single does not mean you're a failure. Being single does not mean you're empty. Your life is not incomplete just because you're single. And you're like, hey, this is what I'm talking, I want you to get married, find somebody great, and have a wonderful life. No doubt. But your husband, your wife, they're all Rachel's. We have to find Jesus to fill that hole that we have. And that hole was created by our creator. Nobody, I believe that there's a place in our lives that nobody can fill it except for our creator. I'm sorry, but your husband is not it. Okay? Your awesome career, your, your vacations, your money, no. Nothing in this world can Fill that emptiness. Only Jesus can do it. He is the central figure and he is the answer. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you that creating all of us with that little empty hole in our life, in our heart. And we know that only you can Fill it. It doesn't matter. We have all this money in our lives, wonderful career, wonderful homes and cars and awesome things we have. Father, but all these things are Rachel. And when we sleep with Rachel, we'll wake up with Leah and we'll still feel empty. Help us, Father, to seek you the one true love for us, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.